Welcome to the New Birth Baptist Church Pulpit Podcast, a weekly service brought to you from the sanctuary of New Birth Baptist Church in Walnut Cove, North Carolina. We pray these messages and these sermons will be a help to you in your daily walk, and we look forward to you subscribing and coming back every day. May God bless you and have a wonderful day. 1 Kings chapter number 18. And I'll set the stage for you. We've been introduced to a man named Elijah. And this man got a command right from the Lord from the start. You see, God calls people, and they, they don't come out of nowhere, but that they seem like they come out of nowhere to us because they're not on the scene until they're on the scene. And that's the way it was with the prophets. And so Elijah the Tishbite came out of Gilead. And... Uh, he had a job to do, and the Lord was going to give him a job. And he's prophesying against the wickedness of the land. Now, what is the wickedness of the land? Well, it's anti-God. It's anti-true God. And that, we need to make that clear because there are many gods mentioned in the Bible, but there's only one true God. Little g gods come up all the time. The Greeks were worshipers of little g gods, and they still are today in ways. Many people today are worshipers of little g-gods, including the oneself. Uh, they worship themselves, and uh, the, the self becomes their god. And I'm going to get I'm going to get personal right here. Your job becomes your jo- your your god. Your hobby becomes your god. Um, your money becomes your god. Your house becomes your god. And that's what happens to all of us somewhere down along the line. And I am as guilty as anybody because, folks, I tell you. I used to love my job when I was there. I put hours and hours and hours and hours and hours into that job. Traveled all over the United States doing it. Loved every minute of it. And I, and I miss it in a sense. But there was a time that that job really had me in the palm of its hand controlling me. And we can't let that happen. Yes, it's important, but we can't let that happen because that's where it starts replacing the time we should be spending more with with our Lord. And so I know we live in a 24-7, 365 world now. The lights never go off. The, the, the cars never stop turning. The, the, the highways are full. Everything is just busy, 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 busy. So it all comes down to this. What do you want? What do I want when it comes to uh, the God that we believe in? How much do we believe Him? How much do we trust Him? Uh, are we going to stand up against this world who's trying to say there's more than one way? Believe me, there are, there are, there are celebrities out there today saying, oh, the old-fashioned way doesn't work anymore. God has many paths to what they would call heaven or eternity or, or whatever. That's just not the truth because the Bible says that Jesus said, I. He didn't say we. He said, I am the way the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by me. So he set that straight. Now back in the Old Testament, we're not talking specifically about Jesus, although Jesus was there, been there since the beginning of, uh, of our time and before. So we're still talking about Jesus, but we're talking about the triune God. We're talking about God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and in, in the Old Testament, we're really talking about God the Father. And we can't minimize God the Father. And I hope you understand that. We, we talk about Jesus all the time. And we talk about the Holy Spirit all the time. 
But God the Father is God the Father of the universe. And he gave his only begotten son and sent the Holy Spirit now to deal with us. So in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, we see that there's um, a time that people are trying to figure out. People are trying to figure out who the real God is. Where, are there, where, where is he? So I'm going to start reading in verse number 1 and said, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. I'm going to stop there. The beginning part of this is the, is the story of the, the rain ceasing, the, the Elijah story of there's no more rain. And so for days and days and days, there's, there's no rain upon the earth. Even when Elijah goes down to a brook, it dries up. He can't even get access to water himself. And so there's a time that God is about to show himself in a mighty way, and the way he's showing it in the beginning is suffering of the people. He takes away what they need. He takes away some things to make them say, hmm, maybe those things are not my God. Maybe those things are not as important. Maybe those things need to take a back burner. Maybe those things need to, to be set aside that my focus may return to where it belongs, and that's God himself. So in verse 21 it says, And Elijah came unto the people and said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. Elijah spoke a very simple question, a very simple statement, a very simple request. Are you going to follow after God or are you going to follow after Baal? He says there's no in-between. That's what he said. He said, how long halt you? How long are you going to sit on the fence here? How long are you going to stay in this boat where you're not going to commit yourself 100% to God the Father? He says, how long between two opinions? Now, see, the world has opinions, and their opinions sometimes become their own truth, and that becomes their God. But there's only one truth. And so you have to decide which truth are you going to follow. The, quote, truths and opinions of man or the truth of the Bible. We can't be in between. You know, we, we can't be on a spectrum here where we're, where, we're, where we're God over here and we're the world over here and we're constantly doing this on that sliding scale. We, we can't do that. We've got to be all the way over here. But you're human, and so what do you do? We don't like to hear this word spoken of in the Old and New Testament. Backslide. Slip. The Bible says that we better pay attention and not let the things slip that we already know. And so that's what backsliding is. It's just slipping back a little bit from, from where you ought to be. But here we've got these people that Elijah is in between. They've been under the rule of the, the wicked king Ahab who made himself their God. And they had to worship him and do what he said. And so here come Elijah saying, no, no, no. Ahab is not the God. I'm not the God. You're not the God. These things are not the God. He says, I'm going to show you beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is one God of this universe. So Elijah is working in his strength right now working in the Lord's strength to do this because he's the only one. You hear me? He's the only one amongst these people that is believing in the one God of the universe. 
Everybody else is between two opinions. You follow that? So sometimes when we get to the place that we have got to influence people about the God of the universe, that there's only one God, you're going to be by yourself. You're not going to have a lot of help. In fact, I think more and more and more in the day that we're living, we're going to become more and more and more isolated as the church and as the Christian and as the believer in the God of the universe than we've ever been before. In fact, I'll use the word ostracized. I'll use the word suppressed. And all of those things are really going to lead to you being oppressed if we don't watch. We'll say, what's the use? Nobody's believing. We'll say, what's the use? God's got his plan in motion. It doesn't matter what we think. God has told us to go. God has told us to believe. God has told us to trust. God has told us to stand up in his strength, not in ours. And so our job is not to analyze along the way what God is up to, but it sure is to pay attention to what the Lord is doing. It's not our job to critique the plan that's in motion and give your opinion about what you would do about what God is up to right now. Your job is to trust and obey, and we sing the song. So the day that we're living right now, we got to get off the fence. we got to get on the right side and stay there. And then when we get there, we've got to grow more and more and more and more every day despite the suppression, despite the oppression, despite the criticism, despite the whatever word you want to put in there that's negative about Christianity today, because it's going to come at us. It's going to come at us real quick. The story goes on. It then said in verse 22, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only, see there? Boy, it gets lonely sometimes serving the Lord. It gets real lonely sometimes, and it might get even more lonely. I, he says, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So here stands, here stands Elijah, and here stands the 450. And uh, I believe it's more than that when you go back to, to verse 19 because it says uh, Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400. So there's more. There's a bunch of people here. And it's almost like the story of Gideon where he dwindles them down from about 30,000 to, to 300. But God is working even in the midst of this lonely time for Elijah, and it says, let them, in verse 23, therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it, and I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under it. He says, we're going to start out equal. You hear that? We're going to start out equal. He says, we're going to have an equal playing ground right here, folks. He says, I'm going to have my bullock. You're going to have yours. We're going to play by the same rules. We've got, we, we got to be ready to play, out, play the rules up here. We've got to be ready, ready, ready right now to say, right now we're on even playing ground. The, ro- the world is not going to oppress us. You hear me? The world is not going to stop us. You're on equal playing ground with the world right now. They don't have an advantage over you. Just like Elijah, just like the Baal, uh, the, the prophets of Baal. They are equal right now, but watch what happens. Verse 24 says, And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, 
It is well spoken. So they agreed, we'll play this game. They said, okay. Because they truly believed, I, I think in their heart, when they looked and saw little Elijah standing there by himself, and they had the 450 plus, plus Baal and all the others, they probably said, yeah, we'll play your game. We'll go up against your God with our gods. It sounds like that if you come up against somebody 450 to 1 or the infinite number of little g-gods that you've got a disadvantage, right? It doesn't sound good. I mean, it, it, the battle is going on, the war is going on, and you've got 10,000 men coming at you at one time. You, you, you're going to be like uh, useless. And that's the way we feel right now in the world. That's exactly the way we feel right now in this world is that we can't do this. Well, as they told Jack in kindergarten, they didn't say he can't. He says you just can't yet. And I think mom or somebody used to tell me can't never could do anything. Now, that's not good English by, by any means whatsoever. But can't never could do anything. And so as long as you've got that can't, as long as you've got that I'm, I'm doomed, as long as you've got that attitude that I'm by myself and I'm, I'm up against this world and I'm not going to be able to make progress, you're, you're probably going to sit right there and make no progress. Verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock yourselves and dress it first, for ye are many. And call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under it. Now look what happened. Now, I have to think Elijah probably got a little cocky here. And you'll see here in a minute why, why I say that. He probably got a little arrogant. Now, we have to watch that as Christians. I mean, we know the end of the story. We know everything in between that God wants us to know. We know the death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension, and eventual return of our Lord. We believe all of that. So we could actually get a little arrogant if we don't watch. But God talks about meekness and kindness and being subtle. But Elijah here, he's standing up against this bunch. And they took the bullock which was given them, verse 26, and they dressed it and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Baal, hear us! But there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. I mean, they're losing their minds now. And I'm telling you, that's what's going to come to this world one of these days. This world's going to lose their mind. And we're not going to be here. Elijah is standing, knowing, confident in the God of the universe. Standing boldly. He's not cowering off in a corner somewhere. He's not hiding away in no, no cave. Now, David had to. He was running from his own son, running from Saul, running from those that wanted to kill him. But here Elijah stands right out of the gate, folks. I don't know how long this took for, for Elijah to be given this, this command, but it, this is only the second chapter that he's mentioned. So it, it happened fast. But we don't know the exact time. So I think he's sitting back and watching, and he's watching them just lose their mind over this God not showing up. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry out, go ahead, keep yelling, keep screaming. For he is a God. Uh, for he is a God. Either is he talking, or is he pursuing, or is he in the, a journey, or peradventure he sleepeth and must be awakened. He's looking at him and said, Where is your God? Is he taking a nap? Is he going on vacation? 
Does he own a golf course? Where is he at? And I mean, that's the kind of language we would use today if it was, if it was here. And so he's just sitting back saying, where is he at? And the world is going to one of these days ask that same question. Because they're not looking for him now, they're not going to find him then. But they're going to find his wrath. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked and uh, read that, and then in verse 28, and they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lances till blood gushed upon them. I mean, these, this, is, this is, I think, a picture of what's going to happen to this world one of these days. It is literally, if it ain't already started, going to lose its mind over what it thinks is true over what it thinks they know. And, and it's going to be chaos. Now, I don't know that this is directly pointing to the, to the seven-year tribulation, right? I don't know. I mean, I, I think it shows that God is going to use some very difficult times, some very troubling times in our lives to get his point across. In fact, Paul mentioned on our, on our call, he said, could this be the hand of God judging our nation for our ungodliness? And the answer to that is possible, but we don't know. All his job is is to believe and trust. And we're going to have to endure. So here he says, cry aloud and cut themselves. And then verse 29, and it came to pass when midday was passed and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the eve. They did this all day long. There's no, no matter how much effort you put into your truth, you're never going to find it. They cried all day long to this God. They looked all day long for this God. They mutilated themselves, throwed themselves on the altar. And it says, prophesied until the time of the evening offering that there was neither voice nor any answer nor any that regarded. This world is going to find emptiness one of these days. They're going to cry out, for now against us. They're going to cry out for their truths. They're going to cry out for their beliefs. They're going to cry out for, for their gods. They're going to cry out and cry out and cry out and they're going to stand up against us and suppress us and do. But one of these days, folks, they're going to call upon those things and they're going to be gone. In fact, they were never there to begin with. They were a figment of their imagination. And the Bible talks about imaginations, our brains coming up with things. So Elijah, he hears it. And Elijah said unto the people, and here's what we ought to be saying, come here. Come near me, come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. This is, this is the one that, that just crawled all over me when I read it. Repaired. We've got a bunch of broken altars in this world today. We've got a bunch of broken things in every aspect of life. But the first thing, you remember Abraham when he messed up and went down into Egypt, lied about his wife, and he came back with the first thing he did, built an altar. For you and I to take on this world, take on these untruths, to go up against the bales of this world, to go up against the false prophets of this world, to go up against the ways of this world, it's got to start right here. 
And I cannot emphasize that any more than just to say it's got to start right here. You've got to let go of anything inside of you that, that says that's not me. You've got to let go of anything inside of you that holds you back. You've got to let go of any thought process that says somebody else will take care of it. I'll do it from here. But I'm telling you folks, Elijah repaired the altar. How many in his church have seen people at this altar in the past and not leave for a while? Folks, we ought to be replacing this carpet once in a while because it's wore out. Elijah rebuilt and repaired the altar. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. Now see, he didn't just build an altar. He built it to the, for the right reason. You and I can, can, I guess I can say, build places in our, in our spiritual life that we think we're doing on behalf of the Lord, that we think we're building according to the Lord, that we think we're doing to honor Him. But if we really step back and thought for a minute, maybe sometimes the altars that we build, we're taking us to the altar and saying, God, give me. But in this situation, God, Elijah's not going to go and ask for God to give. He's going to ask for God to be God and to show himself. So when we repair this altar and get back to this altar, when we get up here, one of the things we ought to be asking for is for God to show up first. Get him back. Put him back where he belongs. Show the world where God belongs. Show us where show the world where he's always been. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord and made a trench about the altar, as great as would contain two measures of seed. I'm going to read on because this is a, a series here. I'll get back to the point. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it the third time. And the water ran round about the altar, and, and he filled the trench also with water. That didn't sound easy, did it? There was a lot of work involved at this altar. It's not just a place to come relax. It's not just a place to, to come and lay down for a while. It's not just a place to, to approach haphazardly. Our Lord is waiting for us to come here and get busy, doing what He's asked us to do, preparing the altar, working on the altar, hard work on the altar. Now today, we don't have to do any of this. We just got to show up. The Bible says that we can approach the throne of God boldly. Now, sometimes we don't feel bold when we come up here. We feel broken. And you know what? That's okay. Because if you come up here and do the right thing, you'll leave here bold. Because you'll believe in what you just asked for. And you'll have confidence in it. 
So the work, the dedication, the preparation, lots of time spent preparing the arrival of God. You listening to me? Elijah knew what was going to happen. He already had confidence in what he was doing that it was not for nothing. He put the effort into it. And the world's not going to understand the work that you're putting into your prayer time. The world is not going to understand the altars that we build. The world is not going to understand the time and the money and the effort. Yes, I said money because everything we have is the Lord's to begin with and He wants us to use it to His glory. Be good stewards of it. Every single thing that we have, we ought to lay at this altar and say, God, it's yours. Use it to your glory. But no, so many times we don't even come at all. Now, I'm not, I'm not going to undermine what you do sitting right where you're at. That's between you and the Lord. I can't read your mind. This past Tuesday night, I don't know who was on this altar except for Randy and Jamie right here. I could hear them. I could hear them praying. So I knew they were here. I didn't open my eyes for one reason. And I told Sherry this. I said, I don't want to know who's on that altar. I don't want to know who didn't come to that altar because I don't want to look out and base my opinion on who you are and what you're doing on where you were. Because that's between you and your Lord. So if you were up here Tuesday, praise God. If you were back there Tuesday, praise God. But I had to do that because my little weak mind would want you to do what I want you to do. You hear, me? You hear what I'm saying? I would have looked out there and said, why ain't you here? I would have looked out there and said, why didn't you stay longer? Because that's my opinion about prayer time. But I had to leave that up between you and the Lord and not do anything in my mind whatsoever to judge what you did or did not do. Not my place. And it came to pass, verse 36, at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that Elijah the prophet came near and said, there comes a time, folks, when the, when the earthly labor is finished. You listening? The labor to come here, the labor to, to work, the labor to, to, to give, the labor to do all of these things. There's a time coming. And Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. There comes a time we got to, got to ask God to show up. And you're talking about strength in your life. When you finish the labor that God has asked you to do, folks, the, the verse, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That verse is right here. We do the, we do the if part. And then God shows up. There's a lot of work left to be done at the altars of God. 
And he cries out in verse 37, Hear me, O Lord, hear me that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Is that not what we should be doing? Is that not what this church and every church should be doing? Is asking for restoration. Get it back. Get it back. Put yourself in where Elijah is right now and just imagine the next few verses happening. Then the fire. Are you listening to this? The world cried out and cried out and cried out and cried out, mutilated themselves, went totally berserk. Nothing happened. Nothing. It was for nothing. Because they were serving a nothing God. They were asking for nothing things. They were doing nothing in their life for the Lord of the universe. They were thumbing their nose at him. And so they were disappointed because nothing happened. Elijah stands up and Elijah does the work of the altar and Elijah puts in the effort and Elijah comes to the altar and, and asks for God to show up and God says, here I am. Now I have to believe this happened just like that. There wasn't no waiting around. Now, folks, I know that in your prayer life, that in your worship life, in your praise life, and whatever words you want to put into your life, you have put in the effort time and time and time again, and nothing happened. At least that you can see. Faith comes into this, folks. A deep faith. And that God is hearing your prayer. He's listening to what you're saying. He knows your circumstances. He knows the situation of the people. He knows this, and he's hearing. But the answer may not be right now. And it may take more effort, and it may take more work, and it may take Elijah gathering other people to come and build this altar and repair this altar and work at this altar for God to show up. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their face. How many people? All. Oh. Have you given up on this world? We're still here, folks, for a reason. God's not finished. Now, I don't know who all these people are, but there's more than one. So Elijah's no longer alone in witnessing and seeing the movement of God. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. This proves that if we'll do what God asks us to do, that he'll do what he said he's going to do. Now, I can't give you the timeline. But Elijah obeyed. Elijah believed. Elijah trusted. Elijah put in the effort and the work and the time. 
And then he asked for God to do his part, just as if my people, and the then I will, God says, he did it here. Can he not send the fire again? Can he not set this place on fire again? Can he not set you on fire again? Can he not rekindle what was back into the fire that it used to be? Can he not do it? Oh, he can do it if you'll let him. We've got to be a willing vessel. We've got to be a willing people. We've got to be something that God will use. We can't be saying in the background, I doubt this will ever as soon as you do that, you take the hand of God out of the, out of the, out of the picture because there are no doubts with him. There are no impossibles with him. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up and eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto the Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens were black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain. And Ahab and, uh, rode and went to Jezebel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. I've, I've said for some time now we're in a spiritual drought. It's pretty dry, and it ain't God's fault. It's ours. But when we get back to where God wants us to be, when we get back to the place that He has ordained, when we get back to the way that He has ordained, when we get back to the work that He has ordained, He's going to show up. Water in the Bible in many ways is, is an example of, of God's Word. And we know we know we got to have God's Word in our heart. We know that we have to know what, what He says, not what this world says. It was, a, it was amazing this week. God just he built this message all along the week, and I believe He put things in my path to really test me, to see what I would do, to see what I would say, and, and how I would say it, and how I would deal with it. Some of you may have seen my little post on Facebook about the world don't know where the, how the name of the earth was named. I mean, I, I love science. I love space. I love looking at the stars, the planets. Y'all know that. I put pictures up, all that. I mean, because I know who's up there. And I just look, and I try to look beyond them, and I, and I like studying it. So I got this article, and I was reading it, reading it, reading it, and it was real intriguing. They said they, could, they, know, how, they know how much Jupiter weighs. Wow. Where'd that scale come from? They were confident. Listen to me. This world was confident in the science behind the universe. They were confident that they could weigh every planet based on some theory. And they were given definite numbers to how much this planet weighed. And then we get down to this 
Last little statement here, and there was some after it, and it says, we don't know how the earth was named. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That started a firestorm of discussion. Did that not, did that not start a firestorm of, of people trying to undermine and I was like, what? Oh, we, we named the earth. Where'd you come from? I mean, every time they would say something, I would be like, but, but God. I mean, you didn't get here without him. We got our language from him. Now, I'm not a puppet on a string and do everything that he says, otherwise I'd be perfect. And we're far from that. So yes, he, he, he gives us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Just look at medical science. People are sitting here today because of what God gave us in medical science. Able to do what they're doing today because God gave the ability. But some of those comments were elevating themselves to a knowledge level that was above God's. You can't do that. They wanted to try to prove their knowledge. All I'm relying on is God said it. And some people say, well, that's just blind faith. No, I'm, I'm, I can see you, and I can see what God is doing. I can see what the world looks like out there. And so Book of Romans says that I stand without excuse because of what's out there. So Elijah, he believed that God, that's, that's what he believed. He believed that God, but he had to do some things. I wrote something down here, and I'm trying to read it. I find myself in my whatever. Oh, I find myself in my own weakness having to write things down to remember it when it came to Baal and his worshipers. I couldn't remember all the details. So I wrote this down. We've got to get rid of the false gods of this world. Of government, of money, of your hobby, of your job, of the TV, of yourself, and anything else that keeps you away from the altar of the one true living God. Now, is that going to be easy? But that doesn't mean you give up. That doesn't mean you put in less effort. That doesn't mean any of that. In fact, what that means is that you have acknowledged that you can't by yourself, that you become even more fervent in your prayer life and be more fervent in the altar time because you know you have to have him and without him you can't. So why would you not show up? Now you're saying... It's not comfortable. Okay. I'm not going to drag you up here. And neither is God. But He, and when He does move upon you, you'll know it. How many times did I sit in the pew at Lawsville Baptist Church before November of 2001? 
2002. Man, I'm about messed up, didn't I? How many times I sat with white knuckles? Number one for salvation. I'll give you a little testimony here, and we're done. I walked this earth a long time confident that I was okay. That it was all good. I believed in Jesus. I read my Bible. I went to church at college. I prayed. Even they saw something, I guess, different about me because when we would go out to have functions as our little EMS class, they'd say, Dwayne's going to pray. Well, why'd they choose me? Because God was already working. But I thought I was okay. thought I was perfectly fine. And went on and on and on and on and on and on and on, thinking everything was all right. But then that night, sat down, Sherry's sitting right here, and I'm sitting right here, and my pastor's looking me right in the eye at our first marriage counseling session. And I'm sitting there going, well, this is going to be easy. We'll be good. We love each other. He ain't going to tell me anything I don't already know. He's just going through the pastoral steps of counseling before he marries somebody, right? He looked me right in the eye. He says, Dwayne, are you saved? Had nothing to do with marriage. And it was like somebody took a hammer and just knocked me out from under, every, everything out from under my feet. And I broke. The white knuckles finally gave up to the song, Just As I Am. Finally gave up. Now, you know the effort that took. You know the effort it took. I had things resisting me, and a lot of it was traditional. A lot of it was heritage. No, no fault to these two sitting right here whatsoever, because that's the way they were brought up. But they have taken the opportunity also to do what I did, and so did Grandpa. Changed our attitude towards what the Bible truly said, and that is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm part of that whosoever, and you're part of that whosoever. And that day, that moment, my life changed completely. It had already changed because of her, but it really changed when that happened. And it ought to have changed you. Now, have I always been on this side of the spectrum with God? <laughs> no. I got, up, I got up early this morning, did some things with the computer to make sure it was right. and I didn't pick up my Bible. I did some other things with the morning thought. And then I went back to bed. I went back to sleep. I felt weighted this morning. I felt heavy this morning because I think I had drifted a little bit away. And so I asked God, I said, put me back because I have to stand before these people and I got to be 100% on your side. And when you stand up against this world, when you stand up against your little G-gods, when you stand up against all that is coming at you, you can't be in the middle. 
You can't, you can't be 60%. Can't be 70%. Can't be, can't be 99 and 44 one hundredths percent pure. Because that's 66 or what is it, 30, 60. I don't, sorry. 56. I'm getting there. I'm sitting here going. That little bit is all it takes for the devil to get his foot in the door. That's all it takes. But folks, right now, he doesn't just have the foot in the door. He's walking up and down this aisle. He's walking in the door behind you when you go in the house. He's following you to work every day. He's going to the doctor with you. If we're not 100%, he's got enough of you right now to create issues in your life and your faith and your belief and your trust and your obedience to God. And we're all right there. We're not all 100%, folks. Nobody sitting in here is 100%. Nobody. But that's, a, that's where we ought to go. We should desire, Peter says, be ye holy, for I am holy. We've been given a tall order, folks, but this, and this world is against us every step of the way. But we've got to step up, and we've got to get the work done, and then we've got to call, and then watch what we get to see. I don't believe anybody sitting in here right now has seen God the way God wants us to see him move. And, but if we all desire to see him show up and to bring the fire down, not just to burn it up, but to dry it up first. All that water came in there, and God just licked it up. He wanted to show not only can God come down here and bring fire and burn up and show himself, he can go above and beyond. What did Randy say? My God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I think or ask. And he can and he will, but we got to do our part. You want to, this, this is the strengthening piece of this. You want to strengthen the church? You want to strengthen how the world sees the Christian faith? You want to strengthen the opportunity for people to come to the knowledge of salvation? You want to strengthen your abilities to stand up to this world? You want to strengthen the opportunities that God has given you to witness to somebody? You want to strengthen the work that He's given you to do? Then get busy. And he'll show up too. That's just, the, that's just the way it is, folks. I mean, if somebody wants to try to interpret what I just did in a, in a different way and say, no, you got it all wrong, come talk to me. All I know is that God appointed a man, he gave him a job, and he stood up against the ways of this world, and God showed up. Father, we love you this morning. I ask you now to just speak to the hearts of the people. Lord, strengthen us in a day that we're living in, that, uh, in every way possible. Lord, you've been good to us. They sang the song. You, I've got so much, oh my, so much to thank you for. Ah, Father, you're not finished working yet because we're still here. Church doors are still open with people coming. Father, I pray that we get a burden.
for your work, for you and the souls of those that are lost. You're the God of the universe. Why would we not call for you to come? Lord, we love you and we thank you, for it's in Christ's precious and sweet name that we pray. Amen. Amen.